everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I believe this is episode six. Hi, Sean. <laughs> Hello. Wait, we're at six already? We're, we're going to be at 10 soon. I know. And I would like to point out, Sean, finally sounds good because <laughs> last week we had the new microphone, but we didn't set it up properly. So when you take your microphone out of the box, it is backwards because I would assume the label of the brand would face away. Like if I was holding the microphone, the label is visible. Mm-hmm. That is backwards. Yes. I need to know that it says toner towards me. Yes. And Only we found us. that out by mistake at the very end. And I'm an idiot. When we stopped recording. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't read directions. Yeah. Didn't read the direct. Of course, we'd get it wrong. But anyway, we have so many of your emails and stories to read this week. It's kind of exciting. Um, but just big news on my front: our big announcement video came out about you're not pregnant. I'm not <laughs> pregnant. Everybody thought I was pregnant. Everybody, and I can see how when you put like "we have news" on a thumbnail, everybody's gonna think you're pregnant. But <laughs> you know um no we're we are opening dance academy of southern california in huntington beach um yeah lots of info to follow but if you're interested in the school just email danceacademysocal at gmail.com but yeah we're super excited it's gonna be awesome so that happened this week no that's so cool though that's exciting that it's like because i saw the photos that you posted in the video you posted that was in the new building right no, new building is under construction currently. When does your logo go on the wall in the new building? We got to order it first. I think that might be a like <laughs> not a priority. <laughs> We're like, let's get the floor in and the mirrors up and we can open. Like the logo on the wall might take its time. How are you, Sean? What's new with you? <laughs> I'm good. Uh, the week is pretty good. Nothing's new because I do the same thing all summer long. I just teach the gymnastics place and how's that going okay so it's actually going really well I was added now an extra class oh (laughs) so it seems like every week or every couple weeks I get an extra class added because people see what's happening and they're like oh can he stay Mm -hmm. and do it so now not only am I doing the girls team the little girls team the middle girls team the advanced women's team the advanced men's team and the rhythmic team both advanced and intermediate I am now added trampoline oh that's exciting yeah so that's another group another team which is great I mean I guess that means whatever I'm doing people see results and like it and the best part was one of the rhythmic girls called us out on talking about oh really <laughs> on the pod yeah and I was like I think I said nothing bad no. I don't I think highly of them and then she's like no she goes I was in stitches it was just ridiculous because I knew you guys were talking about us and then you were talking about us crying and I was like yeah and she goes and it's true <laughs> she's like but we're not supposed to cry we're supposed but to hide it as well but we, we also it- said how amazing they are yeah yeah yeah. because I it could was never funny. do that yeah because she was like we're not supposed to have people see us cry mm-hmm. I was like yeah because we were like we literally had to go hide in the bathroom she goes we're supposed to do that too and then it was the whole team talking about crying and when like each girl had cried and then they were talking about yeah it's it's usually better but then there's one time one was in the bathroom for like 30 minutes and they sent the whole team in to go like tell her she's okay whatever and I guess her reply back from the stall was 
I'm not here. <laughs> I actually <laughs> <she's> crying. <laughs> and we were, ever, we were all having like a great conversation about it and giggling. It was really funny. She goes, yeah, I listened to that one episode because before here, when I was getting like real ballet training and I was having to teach myself, I was watching the Catherine Morgan videos to teach myself ballet for rhythmic. Nice. And it was just really, and so she goes, that's how, because last year she brought it up last summer, like how I knew you. Yeah. Well, shout then, out to the rhythmic gymnasts and all the gymnasts. Yeah. At awesome. Integrity, at Integrity Gym. But it was just, she was like, so I listened to your podcast because <laughs> I said some sly, quick comment about something about like, and then she goes, like your podcast. And I was like, uh-huh. Wait, what? <laughs> I was like we should not have a podcast <laughs> no people are loving it though because I feel like especially ballet and arts podcasts can get very informational and it's almost hard I think that's why I struggled with my first one because I had the Catherine Morgan show for a long time and I was trying to talk about things on the podcast that you need visuals for because I wasn't interviewing dancers I wasn't yeah. you know it's hard to talk about like turnout or whatever on a podcast where there's no visual that's why that stuff works on YouTube so in my opinion, my favorite podcasts are the ones that are funny and entertaining and stories. And I actually started listening to, which I, reminds me of, we remind me of them, the Tara and Johnny show, Tara Lipinski and Johnny Weir, they're figure skaters who also had a podcast. And I'm like, oh, we're like the ballet version of them. So, you know. <laughs> okay. I could see that. I could see yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. 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 But anyway. Should we start with? The great stories that we got. Oh my gosh. You guys are amazing. I know I keep saying this. I am going to get us a podcast email by next week. I will have us a, a podcast email. On top of stories though, we also have a, uh, I don't want to say corrections corner because everyone else in podcast says they have correction corner area. So correction. I'm trying to think of a better name for us. And I'm mm -hmm. like, let's have a fact fix section so go. we're gonna do a fact fix real fast and i don't know if it's a pure fact fix or just additional information okay but so my friend emmy who is real smart and went to college <laughs> <laughs> unlike us <laughs> right well i mean wait 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 that has oh, been no, my side did. hustle for you four did. years you and are... i still have to go back to law school so yes that's we're true. the work in progress but uh she did the fact fix of one, she likes listening to us because she's like, it's like I'm your friends and I'm just sitting there talking to you guys as well. But she said about the marriage situation, she heard a different original marriage story. Um, so it could be additional or just whatever. But it said when ballet shows were first a thing, the fancy rich people would arrive to the shows in horse-drawn carriages. So the more horse that was in the street, the higher number of wealthy, influential people were in the audience. And that's why you would wish your performer married in order to wish them a, a successful show. Hmm. But there's probably other parts to this whole yeah. break a leg, married, toy, 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 and so forth. But she goes, that's what she was taught. Interesting. About the married issue, uh, the, the married story was from just out in the street, out in front. Huh. Because I always heard it was on the stage, all the animals that were in the operas on stage, mm -hmm. and they would like from the wing yell it to each other, Mer you know, like don't step on it. So that's what I always so That's what talking. I heard too. Mm -hmm. And then she threw out this time and go, this makes sense as well. So yeah. that's why it's just not a full fact fix situation, but an additional aspect to it, right. which is really interesting because I didn't know this. And I 
this makes complete sense in my mind to be an additional reason to it or yeah. maybe how it stuck around for years like maybe one of them triggered it and then another event just kind of kept on you know how things kind of yeah. just add to keep it in perpetuity mm-hmm. oh look That's at a you using a big word, word. <laughs> those pre-law classes are hey coming now, out the other one I want you to address that you got information on was you asked everybody about the story of the tutus burning on the lights and that tutus might catch fire. Yes. And to that one, thank you, dance historian who replied back to it. And it was actually really informative and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. So she, she goes, so dance historian to the rescue and you were to the rescue. Thank you. The story about the ballerina catching fire on stage is in fact true. Her name was Emma Livery. Is that how we're going to say it? Or Livery? Here nor there. Um, And she was a pupil of Marie Tagliani. I don't know who she is. She's Uh, a famous old ballerina. See, I don't know any of this stuff. She caught fire during rehearsal on stage uh, of Paris Opera, rehearsing the lead role of Fenella in Opera La... I'm not French. I'm not even going to try but then she died shortly afterwards. That's terrible. Oh. But mind you, it was back in the 18, it was 1860s. So there were gas lights. So more or less, they would just had open flames with the containers behind them. Mm-hmm. And the material of the tutu didn't exactly help either. As far as I know, catching fire back then wasn't that uncommon and happened regularly. Therefore, they started soaking costumes in special solution to reduce their flammability. Speaking of horror stories from ballet history, during rehearsal of Marie Tagliati debut performance of Paris Opera, a rather big set piece fell on her. Luckily, she was all right and ready to continue on. Wow. So huh. dance history right there. It's dance, real. It's real. I should but brush up on it, honestly. Open flames. So it's it's real, but it's one of those things like the whole mythological story or urban legend as like, Oh, my neighbor's mom lifted a car off the kids. Oh, it wasn't her mom. It was her grandmother. And it wasn't her, it was a neighbor. It was like my yeah. neighbor's neighbor kind of thing. It, it gets lost. In tra- it get changed in translation. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's crazy that it's like. That is crazy. It and it yeah. wasn't uncommon. That's the, but it makes complete sense. If you have open flames and the movie of Phantom of the Opera literally shows them yes. lighting those front, um, lights and even on our set at on Broadway our front stage lights were supposed they had the covers behind them to look like they were still open flamed right that's right oh that he does it during the prologue right or during yeah the, yeah I used to walk through with my fake little lighter and light each of them huh. and it's like people had that in their homes it's like yeah. if anybody is anybody has ever watched Downton Abbey which as anybody who knows me knows I'm a huge fan in like the first episode they're talking about how oh, electricity and such and such home has it in the kitchen and why on earth would you have it in the kitchen? You know, like people used to have open flames in their homes all the time. Because did you watch uh, The Gilded Age? No, I have not yet. I should. Haiti, you have to watch it. (laughs) Okay, I will. It's really good. And it's the same thing. One of their episodes was the big lighting of this building in New York during that high time society because Mm -hmm. they were swapping over to electricity. Yeah. So yeah, we have that one. So animal stories. We have one from um, Katie. Hi, Katie. Another Katie. Dear Sean and Catherine, I have been loving the podcast so far. Please keep them coming. I happen to have a story about a raccoon in my parents' house. The house where I grew up has two back doors, the original and the one that was part of an addition. 
One summer night, my parents were watching TV in a room near one of the back doors. We didn't have air conditioning at the time, so the other back door was left open to help cool the house down. During a commercial break, my mom got up to go to the kitchen, which is basically the midpoint between the two back doors. Sitting in our kitchen, eating from our dog's bowl, was a raccoon. It had let itself in through the open door, snuck through a porch, opened another door, kept sneaking through our dining room, and ended up in our kitchen to help itself to our dog's food. My mom started yelling and shooing the raccoon back out the way it came. Our dog, who was usually getting into places he shouldn't, assumed that he was in trouble and put himself in his crate. <laughs> oh, my mom managed <laughs> to shoo the raccoon through the kitchen dining room porch and then latch the doors tighter than they'd ever been latched before. Half an hour later, the dog let himself out of his crate, went to eat his food, and lost his mind when he finally smelled the raccoon. To be fair, we never told him that he was supposed to be a guard dog. <laughs> Thanks for all the banter. It's the best part of my drive to ballet class. That's, that's awesome, Katie. Funny <laughs> raccoon. <laughs> I'm not surprised oh. though, because like, so we had the possum, and they put the trap out, mm -hmm. and he's like, we use cat food and dog food in the traps because that's what attracts yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And then Paul even made the joke about like when he was googling how to get rid of possums, he was like, just make a trail of dog food for them to lead their way out of the house. And I go one. He's in the basement. I'm not going to lead him through the living room to the front door no. with dog food. And so this raccoon sneaking in, I'm not, because they're like little bandits. Their yeah. face literally looks like a thief. <laughs> and you're with you, like Dex would probably eat him. <laughs> oh, he would, he would think they're like best friends, just like the skunk. He would run right up to him and be like, we're going to play. We're going to play. <laughs> Jojo would be unfazed and be like, another thing happens in our house. What's new? <laughs> If I saw a raccoon, though, in my house, I would freak out because I'd be like, one, they get really mean after puberty. Mm -hmm. And two, they have rabies. They can. They yeah. can. Yeah. And they're tricky. They're tricky. They're so sneaky. Katie, that's awesome, though. Thanks for your story. Glad you love the podcast. We love doing it. Um, the other weird thing, like my animal story, too, before we get to the second one, is like the thing in Miami, which I had no idea was a thing. Like when it gets below a certain degree, the, the iguanas fall out of the sky. They just yeah. fall out of trees. They just plop and you're just walking along and plop and you're just like, what? <laughs> like, it's so weird. It's and I told so you weird. the story about the guy who collected them in the car, right? No. Okay. So remember when Florida hit that like really low temperature? Was that the year you were there or right before you were there? Uh, it was like freezing for a long, it was like coldest it's been for a long time in I think Florida. it was before I was there. And the iguanas were hybrid. They go like into hibernation mode. They were falling from the ground or falling from the trees to the ground. This guy was collecting them because you can cook with them in other countries or was going to sell them. I don't know, but was collecting them, put them in the back of his car. They warmed up and started moving around while he was driving on the freeway. <gasps> oh, and, like, no. Came forward. He like jumped out of the car. Oh my gosh. Because he had like no. a whole backseat full of like five foot, six foot long iguanas. Uh, yeah. Right? Don't pick up iguanas. Because <laughs> he thought they were dead. They were just in those hibernation mode. <sighs> okay. How about you read the other story? Okay. This one is from Nicole. Hey, Katie and Sean. Here is my animal encounter story. Last summer, I woke up at 6 a.m. and came downstairs and saw a black speck fly past me. I thought I was dreaming because I was still half asleep. I rubbed my eyes and the black speck flies past me again. I look closely and it's a freaking brown bat. 
I immediately hide in my kitchen and waited for an hour. Sure enough, it wasn't in my living room no more. Problem solved? Wrong. The bat had actually hid itself somewhere and so well in the corners of the house somewhere all day and slept. Come 11 p.m. that same night, the bat woke up as we opened up all the windows and our balcony door and the front door in order for it to leave. The bat continued to fly around. This bat was too dumb to fly out the door by itself. So finally, my dad whacked it against our hall closet to the floor. And my dad then pushed it outside uh, with the broom outside from the front door. Never saw the bat again. Oh, It camped out for the day. <laughs> and I just pictured a little bat from Anastasia, like oh, yeah. in the corner, of course. Yeah. A little white bat. What's his name? Bartok. Either. Bartok. Germs. Mm-mm. I still rather have a bat, a possum, a raccoon over a snake. Totally. 100%. Yep. Yep. Anything with like some type of fur. Yeah. Better than a snake. Yeah. So you guys had good animal stories. Good animal stories. Now I want to get to, before we get to our actual topic of the podcast today, a couple of true crime stories. These are, these are special. Um, one is one was so- really aggressive. It was one just was like, really aggressive. Yeah. This one happened. So there. Yeah, this one is from Nora, and she says, I do have a true crime story. My grandfather murdered my grandmother. The end. He stabbed her in rage. Nora, that is terrible. I'm so sorry. Whew. That's that's terrible. She wrote it so dry, too. I know. It's just like, that's it. I literally, it, that's exactly what happened to me in the kitchen with Paul's dad. It was just so casual and yeah. like, this horrific thing, no big deal. And I'm like, okay. that's the best way to explain it and how to talk about it. Because it just like, this is what happened. Yeah. And then we had, there was actually something, I forgot to tell you this, on Facebook, in a comment, someone posted that they too got the piano scam email. Somebody oh, wants really? to, yeah, somebody wants to donate a piano, blah, blah, blah. You just have to pay for shipping, blah, blah, blah. And my future mother-in-law, mother-in-law also just got one so this piano scam you guys which you heard from a couple episodes ago is going around so watch yourselves is this like the new version of Mm -hmm. my aunt gets a random call and they're like your grandson is in the hospital from spring break on mexico we have to airlift them we need this money that kind of thing yeah i feel like a better version it's like a it's like it's a brand new baby Yamaha or baby grand Yamaha piano in wonderful condition sitting in storage. You just have to pay for shipping. Seriously, it's like a thing now. Why? Is it really worth scamming people? Like really? Yeah. That's crazy though that Chris's mom got it as well. Mm-hmm. And she immediately she was like, I replied, so where's the piano located? Nothing. That's like she because she did it as a joke. She she knew my story, obviously. She was like, I just literally replied, so like where is it located? Yeah. <laughs> like just uh the last one is not really true crime, but it's a really good like success story. This I, I'm gonna keep names out of it on this one because it's actually a famous dancer's mother. But his mother was a dancer in a local production of Jesus Christ Superstar and was in a scene the scene where Judas kills himself by hanging. During one performance, she realized that the wire that hooked into the harness that kept him from actually hanging himself had fallen off. As I remember it, she danced over to him during the song and re-hooked him right before he jumped. Dancers saving lives with style. That's impressive. It's very impressive. Can you imagine? That also shows that person that re-hooked that harness was 
eyes open on stage, which I think is something that fades away. People get very comfortable, especially when you're doing the same show over and over and they don't notice something and something like that happens. Mm-hmm. But like props to them for dancer saving props the day. Props to them. So Sean came up with a wonderful idea. I just thought it would be interesting. And because we are a podcast of there is no category or topic. Totally. We can do this. Mm-hmm. And I was wanting to go with the fact that I was like, oh, what would be a good way to have great discussion that's fun, relatable, and like anyone can partake? And Mm -hmm. it was, hey, you know, like our favorite Disney movies, fairy tales growing up, they all come from real things that no one knows about, or they're a lot darker and altered. So I was like, let's talk about what our favorite Disney movie or fairy tale growing up was and their origin behind it. Yeah. Because I'm a nerd and this kind of stuff interests me. Well, it's like it's it's like ballets too. Like Sleeping Beauty is actually very dark, right? Mm-hmm. And they're all altered then for these like. But at one point, these stories were what was being told. So people were yep. telling these dark fairy tales, and I guess yep. they weren't really fairy tales back then. And this is what they told. And then it's like at some point they're like, "That's too much. We need to do this mm-hmm. either for I guess monetize reasons mm-hmm. or for whatever." Which it was interesting because. I did a little bit of research and by a little research, I Googled and found Wikipedia. And then I found like two pieces of literature that people wrote about this topic. And one of them brought up the fact that when it was altered, one of the stories was altered literally for governesses to tell the children easier. Yeah, I believe it. It was just a shorter version, more condensed, simpler version to tell them before they went to bed. Yeah, I believe that. Because like with Sleeping Beauty, the original, original, original fairy tale is the prince finds her and rapes her in her sleep. <gasps> Did you know that? No. Yeah, that is the original fairy tale. If you go back and read it, and then she gives birth to like twins or something and then like wakes up and there's her little family sitting there. Yeah, it's like crazy. I mean, that's, yeah. that's dark. It's very dark. It is I mean, horrific. I thought the Little Mermaid original version was mm-hmm. dark, but mm-hmm. that beats out that. Yep. So we just started there. But anyway, because I loved Sleeping Beauty as a kid. Like, that was one of my favorite Disney movies. I don't know why, because it's actually Aurora doesn't do a whole lot, which we've talked about in the battle. I shouldn't do a whole lot either. Do you know Aurora is the Disney princess that actually shows up on film, I think, for 11 minutes total of the movie yeah that's right i think something like that mm-hmm. or it's like she only has eight lines and it's like first line is like 30 minutes in and the last line is like 40 minutes out or something she like doesn't say anything yeah yeah she's, it's more yeah, about she, the fairies than her mm-hmm. and it was like i read the number that was done on some like disney nerd page as i do and it was yeah like it was so short i was like I never even noticed or thought about that mm-hmm. because the movie is literally supposed to be Aurora. Yeah. Briar Rose, Sleeping Beauty, whatever. She's on screen for like 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. Total. That's crazy. That's crazy. Disney was like, the park has her like all over. Oh yeah. A Sleeping Beauty castle here in California. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. 11 minutes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Maleficent used to scare me to death like when she appears in the fireplace it's like mm-hmm. you're like ah like i used to be so scared of maleficent as a child i also love the fact that for the disney version they use the original music yeah yeah they use tchaikovsky's score which i think is like really nice 
it also makes complete sense. It's interesting to see how they put some of the music to like her theme is the Puss in Boots theme or whatever. Right. It's a lot of it. Puss in Boots. Yeah. But it's very intriguing. Have you seen, I should send you the original uh, drawings for her as the evil fairy, what Uh -uh. she looked like. Like, Uh -uh. so there's on YouTube as this is what I do. They were showing the, the ways that she is, she changed throughout like the, the concept, the idea to this version, to what, how does she want to look like, to this, to then, and how they got to this very iconic, sleek, evil version. Yeah. But huh. there was versions of her, like, as the other fairies, but just, like, red huh. or purple, and then, like, a wickedy witch version of it, and then it just kind of morphed into this sleek version. And now it's the iconic look. Which That's I so think cool. she has like one of the best villains outfit of all times. Yeah. And what I always found fascinating is the same voice of the stepmother in Cinderella. Yes. Lady Tremaine. Lady Tremaine's voice. It's the same voice. Also, when they were, because I'm a nerd and I was watching these YouTube videos about Sleeping Beauty, I recommend it. Just Google. Oh, just yeah. You, YouTube Disney history and just type in whatever movie or story you want. And these videos pop up and I've watched them for hours. Mm-hmm. They were talking about how they wanted to make the buildings and the style be very correct to the era. And that's why Mm. Sleeping Beauty looks so unique in how it looks. It doesn't look like the nicely correct looking, like, you know, supposed to look realistic. Mm -hmm. It's drawn in the style of that era. Yeah, it's not very cartoony, like normal cartoons. It's very, it's very pretty. It looks like it's like stained glass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the drawings you see of medieval knights and stuff in like books, it's iconic. Like if you see a scenery picture from Sleeping Beauty, you know it's Sleeping Beauty right away. Right. There's no question otherwise. Right. And I feel like it's it still stands alone by itself from any other Disney. Although I don't know if it was the first one I ever saw. I think I saw Cinderella first, but I ended up loving Sleeping Beauty. I was Aurora for Halloween two years in a row. <laughs> Just two different I think you've seen me you sent me those photos. <laughs> yeah. Once in her peasant and then one year in her princess. So you, it was pre-marriage, after marriage. No, go. she was always a princess, but it was it was you literally the, told the story. I told the, the story for a couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I was Peter Pan for Halloween, my little si- my older sister. And then Aww. we were also um Snow White and Prince Charming. Oh, I was Prince Eric a couple of years ago here with Caitlin as my Ariel. And then Leland was Flounder, like hipster Cute. Flounder. Cute. I love Disney. I'm like. Yeah. And again, I reiterate, we still have to go to Disney World together. We do. We do. Yeah. We do. We, we do. Totally do. Um, so Little Mermaid is another really dark one. It's also my favorite Disney movie of all times. Really? I, I don't think I knew Oh, that. yeah. I, I think because I'm, I'm such an ocean nerd. I've always loved Little Mermaid, like the ocean, living in the undersea was like my thing. And Little Mermaid, I just couldn't get enough of. Hmm. The music, the look of it, this everything. Yeah. But it was based off the Hans Christian Andersen story. Right. And I did a little research and it's intriguing to know how different it's made. Like we all know they glamify it and make it nicer. Mm-hmm. But to even read the original, original story is different than the other Little Mermaid stories that were quote unquote more original that I knew of. Mm-hmm. So in the original story that he wrote, he she had her, the Little Mermaid had her five sisters. They all went up to the surface at 15 to go look at humans and come back down. Um, oh. 
and and she had a grandmother and it was the whole thing when she finally turned 15 she went up there saw the human fell in love but came back down to talk to her grandmother and was heartbroken because she thought that they lived on forever and mermaids only lived to 300 before they become seafoam in the original story there's still a storm she saves but then another princess finds the prince um Mm, on shore the little mermaid goes to the sea witch and does the whole i want to go on land she says yes the but for here they make the potion and buying it and transition to legs a lot more aggressive as in the sea witch says you can do this but this potion will feel like you're swallowing swords and then every step you take on land will feel like you are walking on knives so always be excruciating uh, until the the prince falls in love with you it had to do with dancing as well the sea witch says you'll have legs and you'll dance like no other human has ever danced before Hmm. even though it will feel like your sharp, sharp knives. So the Little Mermaid will not gain a soul unless she wins the love of the prince. And that's how then she will be able oh. to continue on with him. And then when humans die, they go up to wherever. So she would be able to go with him instead of turning to sea foam like a mermaid does. Oh. And then doesn't he marry the other girl, though? He marries yes. the princess. So she gets her tongue chopped off in return because she has a beautiful voice, goes up, and then the prince, the princess celebrate their new marriage aboard a wedding ship and the mermaid's heart breaks. Then her sisters show up that night when the, the little mermaid thinks that she's going to turn into sea foam at dawn, like she was told she was going to. The sisters show up. They say, here's a dagger from the sea witch that we traded for our long, beautiful hair. Um, so they pulled a full like Les Mis moment and chopped off their hair for this knife. <laughs> Les Mis and moment. And <laughs> said, go stab the prince. And the princess, and let their blood run on your feet, and you'll get your tail back, and you'll come into the ocean, you'll be everything will be back to normal. She goes into the bedroom and she can't do it. And she's because she loves him and right. doesn't want to. So she then goes up and jumps off the ship at dawn when she thought she was going to turn to sea foam. In return, though, she starts ascending up into the light and she becomes this like ethereal air spirit. Hmm. And then the quote is, as the Little Mermaid ascends into the atmosphere, she is greeted by our daughters who tell her she has become like them because she strove with all her heart to obtain an immortal soul. Because of her selfishness, she is given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind for 300 years, the length of a mermaid's life, and will one day rise up to heaven. Wow. So that has like nothing to do with the version that we know. Not at all. Although some, I will say some ballet versions go back to the original. Like I've seen um, Ballet West do one. They do one with the, it's like Ballet West for kids. And so it's like a short, Mm -hmm. it's like a short version, but they go back to the original with the sisters and the hair and the dagger and all that stuff. It's not the Disney version. I'm sure they can't do the Disney version because of copyright still. It's Mm -hmm. not been 60 years. Mm -hmm. Also, my fun facts from YouTube videos of the history of Disney things. The Little Mermaid was in the books at Disney to be made for a decade or so beforehand. Oh, really? With the original Hans Christian Anderson version. Oh, that one has gone well at Disney. It had morphed throughout all these different versions and stories and what they wanted to do to finally end up with the Golden Age that they created mm-hmm. to start the golden age of Disney, which was the Little Mermaid 1989. Yeah. Um, 
Also, fun fact, Ariel was supposed to be a blonde. Oh. The typical blonde mermaid. But yeah. Disney just released the movie Splash oh. through Touchstone beforehand. And Madison, the mermaid with the orange tail and the blonde locks. Yeah. And Tom Hanks. Uh, and they also, I guess, when they were uh, doing the animation, because of the cells, the colors, the filters they were putting under for different layers of the ocean, mm-hmm. the blonde doesn't look good. It turned oh. green a lot. Interesting. So you have weird shades of color. It just didn't transfer over. So they said, what's a color that won't alter with the different uh, shades of filters over it? And it was red. Huh. That's so interesting. You do know a lot, Sean. That's also cool. the color of her tail is copyrighted. It is a specific green that they made just for her fin. Oh wow. I remember I think because we came out in 1989, I was too young to like know Mermaid at the time. So I was one. And so I didn't really Mermaid was never one that I got into until later. I just remember like not ever being Ariel, like knowing Ariel until I was like six or seven. I remember having the Barbie doll, but it didn't mm-hmm. really register to me what she was um, because Beauty and the Beast was my jam. Still is. See, and Beauty and the Beast was, I think, my older sister's first movies in theaters. Mm. The canon was Little Mermaid started the Gilded Age of Disney, mm-hmm. the Renaissance, because they were doing a really for for a large chunk of time yeah that's right after snow white there you know snow white was the first one killed it there was cinderella there was sleeping beauty and then the black cauldron didn't do well and then they swapped over to like more live action it was just they had a very rough time yeah so then little mermaid came and stayed and kicked it off and then it was beauty and beast and aladdin yeah that's right and i think my dad fell asleep in theaters watching beauty and beast with my sister because that was 91 94 92 92 91 92 yeah yeah and mm-hmm. then so then was Aladdin 94 I think so 95? yeah because okay, Aladdin I actually remember Aladdin because I was three when when Beauty Beast came out I remember Aladdin coming out and seeing that the like commercials for it and like mm-hmm. Lion King too because Lion King was shortly after and I think I just remember like the commercials on tv for aladdin with all new songs and blah 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 like i just remember that and i remember going to disney when aladdin was released and watching the aladdin parade yeah that's right um Mm -hmm. that like and that parade sticks my mind forever to this day yeah i love aladdin i think aladdin is my number two favorite agreed yeah Mm -hmm. yeah mine's definitely oh but beauty and the beast i don't know it's so hard. Those three are, in my opinion, are the three best. And maybe because Beauty and the Beast got turned into a Broadway show that I love. Maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe that's filtering in. And I don't like the Aladdin Broadway as much. Yeah. I remember going to Beauty and the Beast on Broadway. And my even my mom was like, Ugh, I don't know about this. Da, da, da. And by the end, she was crying. She was like, that was amazing. It was an amazing Broadway show. Do you know what year you saw it? I want to know if you know what Belle and Beastie oh, saw. Because I know I which one I saw. Ashley Brown do it. <gasps> Wait, the yeah. Mary Poppins? The Mary Poppins. I saw Ashley Brown do it. Yes, I did. Oh, she was unbelievable. I she was yeah, she was unbelievable. We saw it first on tour in Seattle. Mm. We would have either seen on tour because it was the first round of it. I want to say... Uh, I think she was a Christine later on. 
Because, yeah, that's the same vocal range, isn't it? No, is she slightly under? She might be slightly under, Christine. Oh, she's under, but they can do both. I okay. mean, a, a, a bell should be able to somewhat sing. Mm, I think a bell is a mezzo, and a Christine can always play bell. A bell can't always play Christine, if that makes sense. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, yes. I just remember that show just being absolutely spectacular. Uh, and that was the first Disney Broadway show. Like that started it off. I remember seeing something about it was going to be a one-off and then it became this whole other production company for Disney because it did so well. Okay, not to be a, a nerd. And a Please correct, be a, a nerd. No, a, correct a me. fact fixer. It's actually the first Disney movie made into a... So Disney oh, already had... Oh, that's what it was. Okay. They had Aida. Aida that, yeah. Yeah, forget about it. I saw that too. So that was Disney Productions. Technically, like Disney owned the rights to Aida. Okay. Okay. So the original US tour. So this is must have been who I seen because we were we saw the first round of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Then later on though, we saw it in New York, and I don't know which one we saw because I was little when we when that one came around. Mm-hmm. But then we saw it later on when I was at SAB for the summer, mm. and we saw the last month that Beauty and the Beast was open before it closed for good to um, make it so more people would go see Aladdin or no oh. Newsies for Newsies. Huh? Yeah. They I remember seeing it Little towards Mermaid. the end. Yeah. I saw it towards the end. I was already SAB at the time when we saw it. And I saw Annalie Ashford. Oh uh, no, uh, no, oh. no. Annalise Vanderpool. Oh, the, the Chelsea from that's so Raven. Yeah. I was so impressed. Wow. Vocally. I mean, the reviews of her said that she was one of the strongest vocal bells of all times. And I think she was. Christy Carlson Romano did it and just wasn't as strong. Uh-huh. You know, but like she, and she closed the show. She's last bell ever on Broadway. And I, yeah, I was just very impressed by her. Huh. I did see Aladdin too, though. I liked Same. Aladdin. Well, it, it's, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't my favorite, but I really enjoyed it. My favorite D- Disney show is Lion King. No question. On Broadway. Lion King's amazing. Lion King is one of its own. Yeah, it's its own. If you've never seen Lion King on Broadway, it's the only one that's never closed. <laughs> it's like still playing. It's its own spectacle. But Breed and the Beast was really good. Aladdin, I actually really liked. Yeah, I didn't mind Aladdin. I actually though think Lion King is the reason that the other Disney shows don't work. Probably. They all try to recreate the style and look and like creative and creativeness of lion king with this puppetry and minimalistic sets or whatever but beauty and the beast was a classic golden age musical setup it was big it was flashy full sets it was also one of the first musicals ever to use the uh automated animated uh set pieces oh all done by a computer and all the lights done so they actually had issues when they first opened because unlike now if something goes wrong in a show they can separate out the pieces Mm-hmm. or restart it but Beauty and the Beast because it was done by a computer when it would falter they would have to go back to the first queue oh, and redo no. the whole show <gasps> wow just because it was their a first computerized thing and it was wasn't wasn't done yet I don't mm-hmm. think it faltered that much but that was the thing that when it faltered it would have to go back because then the Little Mermaid so back to my little history of Little Mermaid then Little Mermaid came to Broadway later on in life after there's been many generations, like iterations of Little Mermaid. Yeah. I didn't think it was as bad as what everyone said it was, but it wasn't my favorite because they yeah, made I it look like it. Lion King. Oh. It was like all these puppets and the sets were like minimalistic, see-through, like 
it was just I wanted a Beauty and the Beast style version right you know because like in the parks they have that little 20 minute version where she sits on the rock and they do projection and they do that whole thing which is great yeah that's right but I just yeah I want to know how much okay we can go back on the pod I want to know how much you cut out when we say okay now off the pod let's talk for a second usually how much time of our conversations have to be cut out a lot of it is well like last time was an hour we were it's an hour and 15 minute call and I got it down to 54 so it wasn't a ton. I cut out some for time. And then I cut out sometimes what you guys don't know. Sean and I'll go, all right, off the pod. And then we'll catch up on something that I absolutely cannot or should not print. And then we or go back. I say something that will definitely get us in trouble because I'm talking about life. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I want to be I'm, respectful. Even though we're having fun, I want to be respectful. Yeah, because the problem is this pod is literally us talking as we are very close friends. Uh-huh. As you do with friends, you talk about everything that's happening in life, what you've heard, what's going on, so, 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 blah, 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 blah. And so, of course, we get on this topic. And like right now, I think that conversation of what cannot be public knowledge, it was 10 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> that you're going to be like, once you hear, okay, now off the pod. Yeah. 10 minutes God. later. Okay. And then we go now back on the pod <laughs> because this is a public forum. Yet, you know, it's a business. Yeah, it's a business. And anything you publish could be held against you in a court of law. <laughs> and if I'm talking, like, it's just like anyone with their friends. You talk about stuff with your friends that you're just like, right. One, if it's like personal about me and it's not public knowledge yet, mm-hmm. or like I'm working on, or my life experience involving something that you have to be like, it was great, but you're like, this was miserable. Yeah. Here is one. <laughs> yeah. It's all smoke and mirrors. That's funny. But should we this, jump to Beauty and the Beast real fast? Yes, because one of the reasons, well, actually, you came up with this topic before they announced it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. I had no clue. So they are doing the third because the 30th, they're doing it's their next live thing, right? Mm-hmm. Disney just announced that Beauty and the Beast Live will be their next uh, pro- uh televised live production. Amazing. In December, December 15th. And I'm super stoked. Wow, that's soon. And then it's going to air on Disney Plus on December 16th. Cool. I wish we had ways for people to audition, but I don't know how you right? can audition. I'm sure you can go online. So I'm sure if you go to backstage.com, they're posted. Or if you go to like Disney auditions, that's what I used to look like. For, I used to look at for Disney auditions all the time. Yeah. Um, but usually these live productions, I'm not going to lie. They're all like call-in stuff. Oh. It's like if you already know the people. You got to know like somebody. For, for Peter Pan, they called in all the newsies. Oh, okay. Like personally to audition and then some mm. other people for everything. It's all been like, like, what was I called in for? I was called in for one of them because I knew people in it, like a production person. Mm-hmm. It's all in-house. Let's be real. It's all, the whole yeah. Broadway system is like that. And I hate it. It's not actually like, it's very rare. Someone brand new, someone random who has no clue who actually goes to the open call. It happens. Oh, if you guys have an open call, success story for like a Broadway audition or a TV show, write it into us because they're rare. Yeah. If you if you're trying to get into the Broadway or the TV business, and again, I have never done this, but this is what I've heard. You've got to do a million auditions and get anything you are take anything you are given because you just got to get in the door. You literally just have to get in the door. Like how did you get in the door? Yeah, I lived it. I was one of the random successes. See, there you go. And not even 
because I was auditioning for Broadway shows all throughout my last season at PNB. Mm-hmm. I would fly in at night on a red eye, do my audition in the morning, and then fly back as I would call out sick to work for the day. No shame here nor there. It's been 10 years. I don't care anymore because I knew I was going to leave. And I did like a book of Mormon. I was called it, you know, and I found out randomly through a couple of friends that were in New York that were on Broadway. How do you do this? But what, what's happening? I got in contact with a producer to figure out what they were doing just for information. So I got a vocal coach from that and these auditions. My very first Broadway audition ever was a Phantom of the Opera open call audition. Wow. So they have different types of auditions they have like singer auditions dancer auditions mm. principal auditions ensemble auditions mm. I went to a singer audition because I'm like obviously I'm a dancer no one cares like, that's easy to tell I just need to go show I can hold a tune so I went to a singer audition and I sat for like six or seven hours in the holding room hoping to be seen mm. I was one of the last three people seen that day for that phantom audition oh the night before in the hotel room I swapped my song because I was so nervous as well mm. and I sang a little mermaid song from the, from the Broadway musical. I was supposed to sing her her voice, Prince Eric's song. Yeah. And I was nervous and stressed. And I stay up all night because I can't sleep when I have anxiety. And I was like, okay, you know what? I know this other one's not as perfect for this situation or tolerable, but it will be a better option. I just know in the morning. So I sang the One Step Closer song that he sings instead of me teaching her how to dance. And I went in and I did my audition. They started the music without any intro like I was used to from my vocal coaches I go oh I was supposed to start singing right then I'm so sorry I messed up the sweetest music director she stands up she comes over and holds hand it's okay you didn't know because I go I'm so sorry I'm a dancer the producer at the table holds up my resume goes oh yeah we see (laughs) (laughs) from my resume which is all ballet yeah uh she was like don't worry you didn't know and then she said we're gonna restart right now that you know we're good I did she goes See, great. Why were you worried? And I was like, I don't know. I didn't get it. Oh. But then I got an email and a phone call because that production team or that casting team was casting Billy Elliot. So that's how I got, I did the, I had the foot in the door. So the producers then would call me. Yeah. I was fresh meat to this audition scene. No one had seen me. I was the new face around town and I got called in for Billy Elliot to replace the Billy on tour, the t- older Billy, which Max from City Ballet later did instead oh, of me. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Then I was called in for Aladdin when it was the very first version because they did it twice beforehand before it w- went into Broadway, yeah. Toronto and Seattle. So I went and did that audition to go sing for them as well. Then I was called in for Catch Me If You Can, the tour. Oh, yeah. Which I think I was only called in because they thought I looked like Aaron. Yeah. So I went in for the Frank Jr. understudy spot. From that audition, I got West Side, and then I got called in again for phantom tour see so it's just you just got to get in the door one audition Mm -hmm. can lead to a million other ones you just got to get in the door and then from the phantom tour i couldn't make it because Mm. of my performance schedule during swan lake at pnb from there i saw though online they're doing the broadway casting in two weeks can i go to that instead Mm. and they're like well it was the new phantom tour the redone version that's not the same version oh yeah and they're like it's a different production team won't count whatever and literally the phantom tour literally said you just have to show up for this one day and you're hired because we already have skipped you through everyone else. You have this spot, like as the dancer track, the man, the soloist dancer, for, to originate in the uh, tour. Mm. And I couldn't do it. So I showed up to the Broadway one later on and I booked it. But I didn't know for months. I didn't know for months. 
Yeah. I was told at the audition, we have no spots available. Come back in November. We, we will have a spot available. And then I didn't know. I moved to New York in August. And then four days after I moved to New York, I got a call from the Phantom casting saying, are you still interested? Would you like to start September 1st? And I was like, yeah, I just moved here. This sounds perfect. Yeah. So I have a story that no one else, it's not normal. But it's just like you did the audition. And like, that's the thing. All these people know each other. So just because you auditioned for one show doesn't mean that's the only show you actually might be seen for. Like they may pass you on to so, oh, Book of Mormon's looking for five foot mm-hmm. 10 blondes or whatever, you know. Yeah. So it's, yeah, just get in the door. And then from during Phantom, I was called in for immediate replacement for Wicked and Fiera and all that stuff too. So it just yeah. happens. Like the same casting person casts seven shows. Yeah. Telsey, so, right? Telsey casting is one of them. There's a bunch. Yeah, there's like yeah. three of them. Telsey, some Tara Rubin, something else. Because a lot of the people who have recently switched from ballet to Broadway, it's because of American in Paris. And they all knew Christopher Wheeldon. And so once they got cast in that, they joined the, equ- the equity, Actors Equity. Once you're in the union, it's a whole lot easier. What I found out, AGMA the dancer union mm-hmm. is a sister union. And so my whole first year, I did not know that. And so oh. my union card would have got me into all those auditions. So instead I was going in as a non-union member, hoping to be seen. So I would sit for seven, six hours. I had no clue. So that's another thing. If you're AGMA, you can go to equity auditions. Yes. And use that card. It is life-changing. Good to know. So anyway, back to Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Back to Disney. Um, they're doing the live, but that was good. That was good information, Sean. Yeah. Um, and uh, do you want to read the bullet points for Beauty and the Beast? Yeah, because this is mermaid. also a very dark story. And to know that it's real is even worse. Yeah. This the Beast was a man named Petrus Gonsalves who suffered from a genetic condition known as hypertriosis, which is defined by an abnormal amount of hair growth on any part of the body in excess of the regular amount present in people of the same race, age, and gender. So in his case, it affected his whole body. He and his wife, Catherine, met in 1500s France. Their widely known story is thought to have inspired the original French fairy tale, Beauty and the Beast. Um, The best-known version of the story and the basis for the films was written 16 years later by Jean-Marie Le Prince du Beaumont and was geared more towards young ladies than adults. That's really interesting. The fashions in the Disney movies indicate that the time period is mid to late 1700s. I wanted to add that part for you because I figured you would appreciate you. the fashion <laughs> history of, which is also though another good point. They chose to set it in the time that it was yes. written and they accurately put the correct type of fashion in there. A highlight of the original version include Beauty chatting with the birds. She also dreams every night of a dashing prince who is actually the beast even better she's able to watch any theatrical performance of her choice through a magic mirror um she's also visited by a wise fairy so like these stories get really changed over time now doesn't it isn't it where i'm trying to find doesn't he eat her or something that might be a later on version so in the history i was looking for they actually found that this kind of idea of stuff had progressed to different things. There was one that was, so it was like a lion version in a cave, but this idea of a beauty brought in to be a servant or to live in this place kind of went through mm. the situation. But the actual like story of like the beauty and the beast story that we hear as a fairy tale kind of started from this situation. 
Mm. Or it was applied to when they found out that this guy looks like a werewolf and this real girl fell in love with him. Yeah. The original version, like she had sisters that got turned into statues. And in the original, original story, Belle or Beauty is the daughter of a king and a wicked fairy, the same fairy who turns the prince into that dumb and pitiful beast. Oh. The Believe the Story is actually over 4,000 years old. Indeed, elements of Beauty and the Beast appear in tales from many different cultures and myths from like ancient Rome and so forth. Hmm. It's just very intriguing to know. Yeah. And then Disney turns it into inanimate objects that talk, which I think, you know, very clever, honestly. But it's intriguing that they brought ideas of that original story in in different ways. Mm -hmm. So the viewing of the mirror. Yeah. Is what the beast gives Belle to view whatever, but really it was actually always Belle or Beauty's mirror to watch whatever story she wanted to growing up. The talking to birds and so forth, she doesn't do that, but she can talk to the inanimate objects in the castle. The original sisters get turned into stone to guard Beauty's house, the the castle. And instead it's like the fairy turns the servants into these inanimate objects. So it's just different. It's but it's intriguing to know, like, this yeah. is not. It's like Wicked. The Wicked book is so dark. And then the musical is has the theme of the book in it, but yeah. not most elements. Huh. I've never actually read the book. I started to, and I didn't finish it. Oh. <laughs> I got halfway through, and I then I got had, like, a life and got bored. I do kind of want to go back and rewatch it. It was a little confusing in chunks. You have to, like, kind of think. And mm-hmm. I knew it was different than the musical, but yeah. I didn't know how much. And so I, you just need to go in bringing it as a different whole situation. Cool. Well, and it's like Cinderella. In the original Cinderella, the stepsisters chop off their feet to try and get the shoe on. Right? Yeah. It's and just like fairy in, tales are dark. Is it the birds pluck out their eyes or is that only an Into the Woods? Does that come no, from the that's, original story? No, that's the original. Yeah. Yeah. As the punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a little dark. But uh, we are actually out of time. How long this, is this one? This one... <laughs> <laughs> we've been on the call an hour and a half so i don't know how long but the episode will probably be around the 45 50 mark again because we talked a lot of off pod today <laughs> but anyway send us your stories at say hi at caymanfriends.com i will have a new email next week but send us your stories if you've ever had a successful audition particularly open call yes i want a good successful open call audition where you had just walked in and got cast for I want to say Broadway or West End or some like very large regional theater just because mm-hmm. that's what we were talking about. I don't want to discredit anyone's small like high school things, but that's a different situation. You guys yeah. are all in the same pool. We're talking right. about like the big open pool that is, that's why it's the same faces in every freaking show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Half the ensemble has already been in the ensemble of all these other shows because it's the same casting director, same choreographer, same mm-hmm. artistic staff. So just get in the door. I think it's what I'm going to title this episode. Just get in the door. Either that or fairy tales are dark. I can't decide what I'm going to title this one. <laughs> just get in the door yeah. to go tell your fairy st- fairy tale. There you like, go. You know, because look at Susan Egan. She was a random unknown. Was the original Bell on Broadway. Okay, she wasn't unknown. She was an up and coming. She had done some regional things. Yeah. That had brought notice to her. Um, yeah. But Susan Egan was the original Belle. And from there, she became the voice of Meg. In Hercules. In Hercules. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and then you saw, and a lot of the Disney Bells from that musical production were pulled and used in so many other things. Like the original Mary Poppins, Ashley Brown was originally, was not originally Belle, but she was Belle first. Mm-hmm. And then I think she was also, was she, 
one of the Janes in the Tarzan production at some point. Mm, I never saw that. I don't know. I did. It was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> looked like green confetti streamer against the walls like they went to Party City. And then I just remember Tarzan going, Jane, stay with Tarzan. And then you hear click of the harness. I've been <laughs> doing it to her. And then they went up to the, yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> and then like Carrie Butler was a bell. Yeah. And then went on and did all these other things. A lot of them. Yeah. yeah, you just gotta get your foot in the door. Just get we your had foot a in couple, a couple beasts were phantoms. Oh, that makes sense. That's makes a whole lot of sense, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of our ensemble were uh, Gaston's. Yeah, and a little known actor by the name of Hugh Jackman was also Gaston in the original Australian production because mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. a theater guy. Yep. So yeah, get people, in the door. I if people you have heard about him. Yeah. Ballet companies too, honestly. Like nowadays with training programs and so-and-so ballet too and all the things, even if you're not happy at a certain ballet company, just like if you get an offer, take it. You can switch later because it's much easier to switch from company to company than it is to just get in the company in the first place. Yeah. You need that name. It's really sad, mm-hmm. I think, but you mm-hmm. need that name behind you. For another company to view you as an Legit. option, mm-hmm. which is sad. Yeah, but I do understand to it. But then you have these people that are like real bad in companies, and I'm like, how are you surviving? And I'm like struggling. Yeah. So just get in the door, no matter what you do, just get in the door, and then you can go from there. And then your options open up. And be nice to people. Treat everyone with respect. Because mm-hmm. everybody knows everybody. It's a small. It's a small world. Okay. Speaking of Disney, on that note, thanks for listening, you guys. <laughs> See you next time. Bye.